Hi, my name is Tina Spangler and TLC Barrels is my business and welcome to my podcast. This is Q&A number 130. It's February 7th, 2023 and um, our 2023 uh, theme, our word or our slogan for the year is believe and thrive. And the reason I chose those and, and I believe both are so important um, believe you have to believe in your goals and your dreams. You have to believe in God. And if you pray, pray, everything's going to be what it should be. And that you, you just go through life knowing that you can pray on something and believe in something and also to thrive. Um, I have never been excited about this surgery I'm having in two weeks until now. And the reason why is I had a clinic this weekend and I could barely walk the next day. And I mean, I could not really walk at all without severe pain. Um, I had my pre-op and the x-ray is extremely worse than it was a year ago. Um, but, you know, the, the osteoarthritis, you know, the bone on bone and bone spurs, it went bad, started going bad in 2019. I could push through it and still ride horses at 30 minute intervals. Um, and then 2021... Uh, it got a lot worse, but I could still ride. I just had to do it like every other day. And then finally, um, last year, 2022, I haven't been on a horse since February because it got so bad that it felt like a knife cutting you just to sit on a horse. So it is definitely way overdue. But if you're wondering why did she let this go so long when you live alone and you have horses and dogs, and I had a lot of elderly horses and dogs. Um, I lost two elderly dogs and one elderly horse um, last year, and that was extremely hard. Also, I live alone. Um, my son's in New Orleans. My father was in Northern California, so I had to organize getting them here. So it's taken quite a um, challenge just to set a date. So the date's two weeks away, and I can actually say, even though you know I've never had surgery before, I'm excited to get through it. I know the week after will be painful. But I'm hopeful by two or three weeks, I'll be seeing the light out of the tunnel that I'll be healing and looking forward to thriving, which is my other word for the year, the rest of 2023 and getting back to working without being in pain and enjoying going riding my horses with friends and, and just enjoying life more without pain. So that's what I'm excited about. And I think you all should have those kind of words or slogans or, or goals or dreams for yourself. So as we get started with this podcast, I want to welcome some new members, uh, Michaela, Molly, Izzy, Dana, Sabrina, Julie, and Alyssa, all from Florida, several from my clinic, and just the others are from the state. Um, I want to share a little story about my clinic. You know, I love clinics. I had a clinic on Sunday before we get into the topic and the Q&A for the day. It is so important to have a positive mind. Because where a positive mind is, negativity cannot exist. And that is the number one step in moving forward in anything that you do. If the first thing out of your mouth is, I can't, I won't, I, I, you know, just negative, negative words, your mind, you're right. Your mind's going to match those words. So have a positive mind. I can, I will, I do. You know, we're going to figure this out. We, I can make steps. I can progress. Um, you know, that comes down to that belief. So what I want to share about my clinic is, is it's really important 
um, when I see people in the clinic in the morning, I'll, I'll do dry work and I'll see holes in the foundation on some. Some have amazing foundations. That's how I know where we need to begin. Then we do a drill and I see their teamwork and I see if it's the horse or the rider or the combination. And, um, and then I know that's the next step. And maybe still this, you know, some will have great teamwork and great dry work, great drills. And then after on the barrels, maybe it's just something, a hole in the pattern. Um, but a lot of them, if they had holes in their dry work and their drills, they're going to have huge holes in their barrel pattern. That's why they are inconsistent with speed. And that's why people get frustrated. You know, so many people come to a clinic and say, I want to be consistent with speed. But it really requires going back to basics. If you have holes, and the biggest holes I'll see right from the get-go is a horse that will face flex left, right, and down. And I'm talking about in a training bit or side pull with split reins, not with big bits and tie downs. Um, you should save your competition bridles for the pattern, not for your, your dry work or your drills. Um, and you should have short reins as far as like split reins. You can shorten them if you want to do one-handed versus two-handed or loose rein versus tight rein work. Um, so I think that's important as well. So I do recommend having two sets of reins. But um, what I find in clinics is clinics give you a taste in my program. You'll get a you'll get homework and you got to go home and you got to do it. And for some of you, you might have a tune up done in a week or two. Others, you might need six months to a year still of work to work on. Um, but the hard thing about anything like clinics or lessons or virtual coaching is people only retain 10 to 20 percent because it's information overload. And it takes years to, to understand something. I've been doing this professionally 30 years. So I remember when I started going to clinics in the early 90s, I would leave in tears and they'd cry and say, are you okay? And I'm, oh yeah, I'm not upset with you guys. I'm just upset with me because I've got all this stuff to learn still. You know, and I would get upset with me that I couldn't put together. But it's hard when you're learning, your horse is learning, um, and someone's telling you what to do. It's a lot. It's a lot, you know, for you to, so sometimes you have to get off by yourself and just play with it. And then a light bulb goes off and you're like, no, nah, I get what they're telling me to do. I understand now. So, um, you know, and I was very fortunate to, um, make it a goal for me to go to so many different private lessons and so many different clinics. But I will say this, don't go there and try to ride everybody's style. It's going to frustrate you and your horse. So when you do attend a lesson or a clinic, if it's dramatically different than what your gut tells you is right for you or your horse, don't do it. You know, you can always say, okay, I like this. I don't like that. And I was able to put together a program that I felt worked for me and my horse. It's just like bits. People are always like, well, what bit should I use? And I always say a bit more knowledge because everybody's going to have what feels comfortable. A horse is going to have what they like. A, a rider's going to like what they feel comfortable in their hands. Um, but I ride 80% with my eyes, my body, my shoulders, my hips, my seat. Um, so I don't really need a lot of bridle on a horse because I get them very broke to my eyes, my body, my voice, and my hands and my legs back that up. So with lighter hands and legs, um, you don't need, if, if my hands are 2%, a bit is just going to be to fine tune things. So if I'm on a free runner, I might want a bit with a little bit of leverage or, or, um, a lift. I might want a bit, a little bit more shank. If I'm on a push horse, I might want, a, you know, less shank and, and maybe horse that doesn't like a bit. I might like a side pull 
or hackmore. Um, if I have a horse that's stiff, I might want something that gives me a little bend. If I have a horse that's over bendy, I might want something that stiffens them up a little. So those are where I'm going to fine tune, but horses might like chain or three piece or things like that. They might want a smooth mouth, a mullen, you know, there's squares, there's rounds. There's so many different bits out there now. It can get confusing, I know, but you'll find after a while, especially as a trainer, you'll have a hundred bits and you'll have eight bits that you ever go and use for every horse that you ever meet. And those will become your favorite bits. And, and everybody kind of gets that way. What's their favorites and why? But it's this is not a uh, um, podcast on bits. It's just about understanding that um, education does take time. And that's the biggest thing I want you to take away from this. So I absolutely love my virtual coaching group. There's, oh, I think 130 some members now and over 240, maybe 245 have signed up in the last two and a half years, 26 states, one international. And um, a lot of people stay, get what they need and leave. Some people leave and come back based on the weather and when they're riding or not riding. You know, some, you know, have a horse injury or sell a horse or have medical things or whatever, financial things. People come and go, which is no problem. I want them to come and go freely when they're ready. I bill on the 1st and the 15th. It's no big deal. Or you can pay annually, whatever works for you. And, um, but the deal is with it is it's inspiring. It, it keeps you motivated. Um, the thing about life is it's real easy to get on Facebook and scroll and see nothing but negativity. You got to learn to ignore that stuff. Scroll by it. Don't even in, invest in it. Do not comment on it. Don't like it. You'll see some of the most popular posts on Facebook are the negative ones and everybody pipes in. I highly recommend you don't do that because negativity breeds negativity. Stay positive. Um, keep to yourself, stay in your circle of positive people, ignore the, the ugly stuff and be positive in your thoughts, be positive in your talk, um, and just move on by any of that negativity. So remember education with speed takes time. So the 10 to 20% that you retain in your lessons, your virtual coaching and your clinics, the more you do it, the better. And here's another way, maybe one of the most important ways to improve over everything I just said is time in the saddle. The more you ride, the better you're going to get. How does a horse get better? Wet saddle pads. The more time you spend riding that horse, that's how come great horses are made. Some are really naturals, but good horses and great horses are not made by just sitting in that pasture. They're made by getting out there and putting the hours in. And we all know that. If your horse has a week off, some horses come out and act the same. Others need two or three days to get back on the program and um, they start getting better. They're like kids in school. You know, if they had the weekend off, Monday they're kind of rowdy. By Tuesday they're starting to listen. By Wednesday they're learning stuff. By Thursday they're blowing you away. By Friday they're ready for recess and a weekend off, you know, if it's a training horse. Um, so they're just like kids. They learn like kids. And um, we have to help them learn at the, at the level they're at. So with that in mind, I want to get right into the questions. Um, before I do that, though, I want to mention I had a, because of my clinic, I have about 40 videos to do and of course I had my pre-op yesterday with the doctor so that took a few hours of my day so I'll be working on videos all day today and tomorrow to try to get caught up for the group so bear with me and I thank you for your patience um, as far as housekeeping goes don't forget to um, the, there's so many great things about the group for the new members 
um, once a week is the Q&A. You can ask a question and I'll mention it once a week on my podcast and put it in the group. Um, in the group are the monthly challenges. The challenges this month are to pick one thing to focus on in your run. That way you're not overthinking and you're in the moment. The second thing is after your run to pick one thing you're proud of and one thing that you want to improve on. And that's your homework for the week before your next competition. The second thing for skill for the challenge this month is working on your horse's hind end. <clears throat> and that can come through uh, hip in exercises. That can come from backing circles, loose rein woe, rollbacks. It can come from transitions, hindquarter turns. Um, perfect circles, collected, all of those things are going to give you hind end control. So those are, I'll be posting videos every week this month on things you can do to improve your hind end control on your horse. So remember that. Um, <clears throat> our personal best winner for January was Delray, Delray, sorry, Delray and Romeo. Congratulations, Delray. It's morning. Am I still waking up here? Um, <clears throat> and I have so many videos, I thought I'd start at what is it 5 30 in the morning um <laughs> so congratulations on being the personal best winner and you chose the tlc books so i already got those in the mail from amazon i think you got them on friday hopefully um <clears throat> but remember you guys you can use the uh members only page where all the videos 150 training videos are organized by topic you can also search the group and find those training videos as well so we all know we love the slow play reviews because they can show small things for you to improve on. When I do a video critique, I'm going to try to find one thing to encourage you on and give you one thing to work on um, and suggest maybe drills or dry work to do in between competitions. So I'll give you something to work on in your pattern, but also something to work on away from it. So, so I hope all that stuff is really helpful for you guys. So let's go right into the questions. And the topic today is confidence in competition. But the questions, we're going to start with leads on a colt. I'm struggling getting my lead on my colt one direction. So a really good way to start with that is setting them up for leads, but not taking it. And what I mean by that is getting them very broke in the uh, face, left and right, in the shoulder and the rib cage. Um, if you can get them really soft in the rib cage and ask for those leads in small circles, it can help rather than straight lines in the beginning. I also recommend doing leg laterals, kind of like pole bending, but really getting nose and shoulder. Um, make sure you're asking for it correctly. For right lead, you want the nose, use your right hand and get the nose in a little bit. You want to use your inside leg hugging by the front cinch to get the shoulder and the rib soft to the outside. And then you use your outside leg, which would be left leg and the back cinch to push that hip in. And your hip rolls with it. So your right hip's going to roll forward as you ask for that lead. And you really want to feel your scissor legs pushing for that lead. So I hope that's helpful for you. And there are some videos I um, have in the group on leads. So just type in the search box, lead changes or leads, and you should be able to find those or at the members only. Next question, <clears throat> how many runs per year are too many runs? Um, well, there's only so many gumballs in the machine before you run out of gumballs, meaning your horse is eventually going to break down with arthritis like me. Um, <laughs> it's not the years, it's the miles. So some horses have better genetics than others. Um, some last longer than others, some don't. Um, so, but there are things you can do to limit that, you know, taking really good care of them. For me, I only ran my horses one or two, well, actually two competitions a month when they were in their prime and maybe three or four, uh, super shows a year that were like the two or three day shows. So my horses only made 25 to 35 runs a year. 
So if I was going to two a month, um, but you know, mine were happiest that way. They preferred to go every other weekend than every week. So you have to know your horse. If you run your horse every week, you better keep an eye on them for soreness and realize they probably will need some time off here or there. So pay attention to that. And I don't mean just run them without keeping them fit. When I wasn't running my horses, they were definitely getting rode out in the cow pasture for fitness, long trotting, long walks, um, some loping and stuff for their wind and their lungs and their muscles, just keeping them fit, tendons, ligaments. You know, it's good to cross train, do some work in the sand, some work in the grass. Um, you know, that way you're getting everything a little bit of soft ground, a little bit of hard ground. You know, cross training is important with our barrel horses. It's an anaerobic sport, so they don't have to do, they do sprints, they don't do marathons. So being able to just do things 30 minutes at a time, you know, mixing it up, walk, trot, lope is plenty good for a barrel horse. If you have a lazy horse, you might want to sprint here or there, um, things like that. So the next question, um, if a horse retires in their 20s, um, is it realistic to expect them to still compete or, you know, sell them as a kid's horse? I personally hate seeing a horse that's spent his whole life in competition get sold for a kid's horse in their 20s because I, I see that they get used at speed shows and speed shows is multiple day multiple runs in a day um, and kids tend to want to go fast a lot. So me personally, no. I, I think once they get in that, but again, you know, it depends on their health. You know, if they're healthy, their genetics, their desire to want to still go um, overall, but I think they've earned the right to an easier life when they get in their twenties, especially if they've been competing since they were five, um, you know, trail ride, you know, maybe go once a month, not every week, things like that. Not, not multiple events, one event that to me would be more fair. Okay. The next question, um, draws and, and on that same note is, I think it's sad when a horse gives you its whole career and then it gets just sent down the road because you don't have a need for it anymore and you don't know if it's okay. So make sure you get them a good home, a forever home, if, if you have to sell a, a safe home and keep tabs on them. Next question was, uh, <clears throat> draws um, best for your horse. Okay, so that's a good one. Now, a lot of times at a rodeo, you don't get to pick your draw, obviously. At a super show, you don't necessarily pick your draw. Maybe you can say, you know, run this horse first or put this horse first. I don't, some of them will do it. Some of them won't. Um, just like when you ask for stalls, if you want them apart or across from each other, whatever. Um, and the, uh, the thing is, though, when you go to, let's say you go to jackpot, some of them will let you say, you know, pick your draw numbers. And you might want to put like your horse that doesn't like water or puddles, put them last when things have dried out. Or you might want to put your short-legged horse on top of the ground instead of the bottom of the ground. So um, sometimes people run their easy horse first and their hard horse last. Or their, you know, novice horse first and their good horse last. That way they get a feel for the ground. Some people want to get their good horse ran first so they go in for it. And then if they're tired, they got their babies to run next. So everybody's going to have a choice on how they want to do it and, um, and the order. So sometimes you get a choice. The only bad thing is don't get dependent on it. Because if, if all of a sudden you go somewhere and you don't get that choice anymore, it could rattle you. So be able to be adverse, you know, adversity, be able to be versatile with all of those things. You don't want to get terribly dependent. But if you can, if you are allowed to pick your draws, by all means, pick what's going to work best for you and give you an advantage. <clears throat> we want to take any honest and fair advantage we can. 
um, question on supplements. In my opinion, on supplements, less is more. I honestly think if you keep a horse in shape, you feed them quality hay, um, and you limit their amount of runs, um, and you uh, keep them happy at home, peaceful home life, and and peaceful traveling with them. Um, you know, try to keep their life as calm as possible. They say you know seventy percent or something like that of horses have ulcers, which I think is shocking. I don't recall in all my years with my mares ever dealing with ulcers. Like they never went off their feet. They never act upset in the alleyway or anything like that, um, except for Callie in Colorado. And that was a back and hawk issue. Um, once we resolved that she was fine, but that was a good lesson for me to learn. Um, but that was back in the early nineties. Uh, let's see here. The, uh, so regular exercise and quality hay and care would be my most important thing. Um, uh, keeping your horse on a good schedule with the farrier every five or six weeks. I think all that's more important. You'll find if you feed quality hay, and you don't even have to feed grain if you've got a horse or feed. If you have a horse that's an easy keeper, you know, you can, if you want to give them something for a supplement, you know, maybe a, a vitamin mineral, I'll do one ounce of dynamite when I was competing with amino acids that are in there. Uh, um, they That, to me, I would just give on like soaked um, hay pellet or soaked cube. And, or they would eat it right out of my hand. So that's fine. You know, if you want to give them something to make sure they're getting all their vitamins and minerals and amino acids. Um, but a less is more in my opinion. So if you, you're targeting one thing, they have bad feet or an ulcer or, you know, something like that, energy, something, then that's different or weight. Um, if you have a hard keeper, you might have to do different than easy keeper, etc. So the next question, why would you want to use uh, split reins and a training bit versus your competition bit uh, or when and why and your short reins? Um, well, obviously, if you're in your competition bit and your short reins and you're walking, you're going to be in your horse's face constantly. You're not going to be able to get out of their face and you kind of have to lean forward. It's very uncomfortable. And even if you're trying to flex them, you're always going to have pressure on the outside rein instead of just the inside rein because it's just too short when you're walking it might be okay at a trot or lope but any of the dry work you're doing at a walk you just can't get out of their face <clears throat> so using a lighter bit and some split reins allows you to just focus on softening your horse suppleness um uh collection you know body collection suppleness all those things without um, being in their face too much and then just save that as short reins a competition bridle for just that or have two sets of reins you know, and it's okay, like, let's say Briscoe just did everything in her beetle hack. It's just a real light side pull, and she trail rode in it. She did her slow work in it. She did her competition in it. But I put split reins on it all the time, except for when I was competing, I put my competition reins on it. So it, just, it doesn't have to be complicated, but it just allows you to get off your horse's head and just, you know, um, make them more comfortable and you. So uh, the next question, let's see. My horse is trotting and jogging the pattern great, but when I lope, they're stalling out behind the barrel and they're not snapping it. Okay, so in that situation, send me a video so I can see for sure, but most likely um, something's happening where maybe they're rushing in instead of raiding in. Like if you're post-trotting between the barrels, you sit jog in and around. Um, or um, on the backside, maybe you're doing too much with your hand and not driving with your outside leg. So there's some things you could do. Um, you could use an outside spur, a little spur to push them through. You can smooch at them. 
Um, you can do my figure eights with a snap drill. You can do easy in, hurry out uh, drill with on the barrel pattern. You can do the single barrel on the pattern. And that one's really good because you rate going in, you focus on spot one, two, and three going around, and then you hurry out at a walk, trot, and a lope, and it gets the horse to really work that one barrel. So that's where I would recommend. But send me a video so I can see for sure. All right, the topic for today, confidence and competition. The number one first step is a positive attitude. There's four things you need to succeed in competition and have confidence. Number one, you have to believe in that team with that positive attitude. Number two, you have to have skill. So that means you need to practice. That might be practice at home. It might mean lessons. Um, <clears throat> number three, experience, seasoning for different arenas and environments. Experience is something that just literally takes time. Nobody can wave a magic wand and give you feel, timing, and um, and wisdom. It just takes you and your horse going places and getting comfortable in those places. But you have to go at a pace that you're, they're giving you yes answers. If your horse is scared, don't run. If your horse is making mistakes at a lope, trot. If your horse is a hot mess, just walk and ride him around that day. Um, we don't want to overpressure, overexpose, and develop hot spots or bad habits. So remember, it takes time. So if you're switching from jackpots to super shows, go early exhibition, ride around, get them comfortable in that environment. If you're switching from super shows to jack or rodeos, maybe enter slack before you enter the performance. Just let them get used to the smells and the sights and the sounds before the crowd. And just have common sense when it comes to training horses. Do it in increments that they're get, getting confident and building confidence. The next thing, and it's so important, is focus on what you can control. And I mean that literally. Focus on what you can control. You cannot control the environment that you're in. You can control what your thoughts are and what you're going to do with your horse. Um, and staying focused on your plan with your horse is the main thing that you can focus on. And that's how you're going to learn to stay calm and relaxed in competition. And you're going to do your one minute positive sprint and say, okay, I practice, I tuned, I'm ready. I'm going to focus on my spots and maybe one other thing on that pattern that's important to you that day. And also, um, the, the thing that I want you to really think about is being being in the moment, okay? Not overthinking, get out of your head, think about your spots and one other cue and that's it. Um, another thing that's super important is to learn to visualize a fast, smooth run. Um, and you may, when you go inner, look where the stakes and the timers are and how the uh, pattern's gonna be like a barrel's on the fence, a barrel's out in the open. And then visualize yourself as you warm up or tack up in that arena and how you're going to ride your horse and visualize you making a smooth, pretty run. Um, the causes, there are reasons that people lose their confidence in competition. Okay. There are many causes for that. Um, maybe you got hurt on a horse. Okay. That can steal your confidence. Maybe you're riding a baby. That can certainly not give you the confidence that you had when you were riding your open horse. Maybe you went through some serious thing, maybe a divorce where you're on your own now. And if you get hurt, you're, you're on your own. Um, maybe, you know, you're alone and, um, you know, if you get hurt, that's it. You know, it's only you, uh, maybe it's just a new horse that you don't have comp confidence in. Um, uh, maybe it's a different style than you're used to. Maybe your last run, you had a slip or 
or you've been having a slump, you're, you're, you know, hitting barrels or going by barrels or not turning a barrel. Um, those are all reasons that can steal someone's confidence, but you have to go back to the practice, you know, go back to having that positive attitude, knowing you can work through it, go back to, I'm going to practice and work on our skill go back to the experience that you're going to season, even if it means you walk the pattern when you go exhibition. Uh, and, and I forgot to mention <clears throat> the fourth thing that was really important was to work hard and trust the process and enjoy the journey. So, um, and that was supposed to be number four after experience um, and season for arenas and environment. So that's really important, working hard, trusting your process and enjoying that journey. Um, those are all things that you really need to consider um, to overcome. So to overcome those four things, write them down. Positive attitude, believing in yourself, number one. Number two, skill by practicing. Three, experience and seasoning. Four, working hard, trusting the process, and enjoying the journey. Uh, in my clinic, there was one writer upset in the morning, but she was smiling by the afternoon, and that made me happy. Because it is supposed to be fun, y'all. Make it just just remember that this is supposed to be fun. So I'm gonna go ahead and close with all of that. Um, I want to say perspective. Um, I want to leave you with this thought: perspective. If tomorrow was to never come, like the Tim McGraw song, would you ride different? Would you act different? Um, if you knew this was your last run on your horse, would you? Would it be put you in a different perspective? Um, so I'm going to leave you with uh, Mark 11:24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you can receive it and it will be yours. So, um, so just keep those two things in mind for you guys. Pray to God, believe in it, and, um, and just keep perspective on things. So um, if you want to join uh, the group, it's only $15 a month and $150 a year for those of you that listen to my podcast but are not yet a part of the group. And those of you that are a part of the group, thank you for your referrals, um, shout outs on Facebook, and just when you send me a personal private note that you appreciate me, those things mean the world to me and it keeps me inspired and keeps me going every week. So thank you guys for tuning in and as always, ride with heart and God bless.